live from Shelly's Back Room. It is the best political talk show you've never heard of. It's Backroom Politics, live on Blog Talk Radio. I'm your moderator, Justin Russell. Joining me around the table, Congressman Al Swift, Bob Hines, Carl Tuvin, Alan Moore, Dan Lipner, and Rear Admiral Ken Carradine. It's Tuesday, which means it's time for Backroom Politics. Let's join the roundtable live at Shelley's Back Room, 1331 F Street, in the heart of our nation's capital, Washington, D.C. Good afternoon out there in Radio Land. It is Tuesday, which means it is time for the best damn political show you've never heard of. It is Backroom Politics live on Blog Talk Radio. We've got a huge amount of news to cover, so we'll get right to it. Uh, In case you have not seen it this week, yesterday Donald Trump made a pivot to try and look more presidential. In Detroit, while speaking to the Detroit Economics Club, he basically came out and said, I've got a new economic plan that is going to save the world, make America great again, and bring female body parts back to Detroit, apparently, in a little gap that he made during his speech. Apparently, Donald Trump and a teleprompter are not working, but he is trying to look more presidential. That being the case, the question is, has, can the pivot work? Can the pivot that Donald Trump right now is making effective enough to work for Donald Trump? I want to start with you, Admiral Ken. Donald Trump's speech yesterday came out with a new tax plan. Uh, which was different than his old tax plan, which is based on the House tax plan that was originally proposed by uh, Chair, uh, by uh, Speaker Paul Ryan at some point. And he, Republican it's the old Republican Right, but he wants to make America great again by being outside the establishment, but he made a very establishment tax plan. What is Donald Trump doing? I think he's doing his best to try and listen to people who are speaking about an area with which he's got limited or no real experience. So let's not forget, Donald Trump's really a Democrat. And he's a Democrat running for uh, office as a Republican. And he went back to a tax plan that I think had the beginning, came, that came out during the, the Reagan administration. Uh, the, the big key points, uh, three tax brackets with no real information as to what level of income qualifies you for those tax brackets. Um, he threw a bone out to women with regard to wanting to fund uh, health care or child care, uh, but he made it uh, as part of a, a, uh, um, a tax refund. So that presupposes that you've got a job and that you can afford to have the tax refund come back to you. Um, I don't think this is a real pivot. I think he was doing his level best to, uh, to follow the words on the screen, but I think at the end of the day, Donald Trump is Donald Trump. He, if you wait a wait a day or two, he'll be back to his old uh, his old stick, uh, because he is the smartest guy in the room. He knows what he's doing. He knows more than anybody. Uh, just just ask him what he thinks about the 50 national security experts who came out and said that he was not a good choice for president. And we're going to talk about that in the later segment. But by the way, if you want to join the conversation, you can dial in because we're back on Blog Talk Radio six five seven three eight three zero four one nine. Again, that number. 657-383-0419 if you want to join the discussion here in Washington. Uh, John Allen, looking at Donald Trump's tax plan, as we stated before, 
this is a very, very establishment tax plan, the three-level tax plan, uh, which basically puts it at 12%, 23%, and 30%. It, why would he bring that out and not come up with a more unestablishment tax plan on his own, considering that he's got the business experience and the tax advisors, apparently, to help him out? Why is the toughest question with Donald Trump? <laughs> okay. Um, look, I think what you saw yesterday is the uh, incoherence of Donald Trump's economic ideas, uh, partially because they're not well thought out. So he brings in a traditional Republican set of ideas to lower the tax rate to 15% for businesses, to lower individual income tax rates, to simplify the set of tax rates to reduce them to three. Those are all things that I think you would find pretty widespread agreement about within the Republican Party. And then at the same time, he does this incredible anti-trade message that's completely at odds with Republican orthodoxy. And he suggests doing, making uh, the child, uh, child care tax credit fully deductible, which even I think most Republicans would shy away from because of its regressive effect as compared to current policy. And the reason for that is uh, people who are poorer who are paying for child care don't pay taxes. Right. Right. I mean, they pay their payroll taxes, but they're not paying uh, taxes at the end of the year. Um, and so they don't get a benefit from it. And as it stands now, as the child, uh, child care tax credit stands now, the vast majority of benefits go to the wealthiest Americans. He would increase that. But in, but in, de- but in defense of Trump, though, if, if what you're saying is true, the ones who would see a marginal benefit from this are, in fact, the middle-income, blue-collar, lunch-pail types that are paying for child care, maintaining a solid job with benefits, but still aren't above that middle to upper-middle-income class. The vast majority of those benefits would be compared to people making over $100,000 a year, which is, by anybody's measure, not middle-class in the vast majority of the United States. So, yes, some middle-class people would be helped by that policy, but if you were targeting policy to help people in the middle class, pay for child care, this isn't the way to do it. And, and, it, and, it, flies, and it flies in the face of, of, of his mantra of being there for the, the working class, the working class American, being the billionaire for the working class American. I think if nothing else, the tax plan that he debuted in, in uh, Detroit yesterday shows at an even more deeper level how really, really detached he is from the people that he claims that he's representing. But Bob Hines, you know, this was an opportunity for Donald Trump to really come out with some substance. A lot of critics of the Trump speech yesterday said it was more of the same generalized 50,000-foot level rhetoric. We're going to bring jobs back to Detroit. He doesn't say how. What is Donald Trump missing, and why is he not getting the message of people want to hear how? He's missing substance just because he is not a man of substance. Fair so enough. Who is that? But, but does he have an opportunity right now to try and bring out all of the experts that he has sitting around the table that are apparently advising him? Does he have an opportunity right now to truly make himself look presidential by putting out definitive plans with substance? He has the opportunity, and I will make you a bet he does not take it. Congressman Al, this is politics 101. One I want would, some of that back. Yeah, I, I agree with you. Yeah, you know, but, but Congressman Al, yeah. this, this is politics 101. This is very simple. You know, we're getting into, we're now exactly three months away from Election Day. 
And this is the time to plant a flag and say, I have got a better economic plan than Hillary, but he's leaving the door open for Hillary to attack him for just about anything because there's no substance. John said it, you know, why is the toughest question you could ask about Donald Trump? He makes no sense. I don't think he understands most of what he's talking about. Covered across the board, you know, let alone a tax plan. Uh, he, he, he adopted whole hog pretty much the tax plan of the Speaker of the House, whom he only recently came to grudgingly agreed had any intelligence uh, and that was silly uh, I, I think that I will probably and I'll die before he does I suppose but I, I, I will go to my grave not having any understanding of Donald Trump at all well that makes several of us so Carl Tubman okay, well um, I switched over to CNN uh, last night and uh, of course they were saying that with his tax cuts for uh, individuals, um, that uh, there won't be, it would be a, the deficit will be higher under this, under his plan. $10 trillion. Yeah. yeah. $10 no, trillion. no doubt about it. At least $10, $10, $10, $10 trillion. trillion. Dollars. Yeah. And, 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 Ridiculous. The, and the odd thing about it is the Hillary tax plan, which has come out in complete and total detail, says that, you know, the, the deficit would actually break even or have a slight increase versus what Donald Trump says. If he's got the economic advisors behind the bomb lines, this message isn't getting to him. <laughs> well, a lot of things don't get to him. <laughs> I don't think he listens to his advisors. First of all, I don't know whether he's, he's got any advisors. And secondly, he may have them on a piece of paper that they can stick in front of him so he can remember who they are, uh, but he, he doesn't pay any attention to them. It's, that's not how Donald Trump functions. Right. And again, if you want to join the conversation, the switchboard is open, 657-383-0419. Again, 657-383-0419 if you would like to join the conversation. Admiral Ken, uh, what does Donald Trump have to do? Right now, Hillary's got a 10-point lead nationally, uh, and we're going to talk about that when we talk about Hillary's campaign, but what does Donald Trump have to do to actually look presidential? Huh. Ha, 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 ha. Uh, Hire someone to make a statue. <laughs> I thought you liked me, man. Uh, um, so I think, I think, and I'll, I'll bow to the, 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 the wisdom of, of those at my right and left here about, you know, polls, uh, especially those following um, major political conventions, they pretty much are, 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 are written in stone unless something really, really magnificently huge, using Donald Trump's favorite word, happens. Uh, I think barring a, uh, a crisis, uh, a national event or international event uh, that, that, the, uh, that the United States possibly makes a misstep on that he can capitalize on, uh, I don't see it being in his character to be much more presidential than what you saw yesterday. Uh, I think it, if, if you go back and you look at the, at the, uh, at the speech yesterday, and I've looked at it twice now, uh, when he was interrupted, I think a dozen times by protesters, it was killing him not to say something indignant toward these people uh, who were interrupting him. Um, I, I think that the challenge for Trump 
is one that will follow him into the presidency if he happens to, 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 uh, to be elected. And that's the fact that he honestly thinks that he is the smartest guy in the room and everyone around him, especially the establishment Republicans, don't know anything about what's going on in this country or the world. Congressman Al, I think there are some things that are visceral for a lot of people, and I think that he may viscerally understand business. He doesn't have to think about it a lot. He just he just has an instinctive way of you know making decisions in business. He has utterly no political instinct whatsoever. And that's the reason he makes such incredible. Everyone around this table isn't rich because we don't have that talent. But all of us cringe at what he does politically because we do know that. So, John Allen, I mean, can Donald Trump, does Donald Trump have the ability to maintain discipline to, as Ken pointed out, not just shoot out from the hip against protesters 12 times to not? Uh, make gaffes like throw the baby out of here? I mean, it's it's beyond gaffes. I, while we were sitting here at a rally in North Carolina, Donald Trump said that Second Amendment supporters might be able to go out and do something about Hillary Clinton's judicial picks. How? What does that, I mean, what does that mean? It means you're going to shoot them. Yeah, I mean, this is, this is not somebody who, it, it, it's not funny. It's not, it's not just a little bit scary. It's not just a little bit against uh, our values as Americans or uh, a little bit against the idea of a, of a free and open uh, society. What Donald Trump is doing is beyond dangerous almost every time he opens his mouth. And so there's the funny stuff like the baby, but we ought to pay attention to the scary stuff like him talking about with, with elections being illegitimate and encouraging people with weapons to use them against elected or appointed officials. And his 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 Ken. his supporters, um, the, the the his his diehard supporters, and, and I I talk to a number of them all the time. I, I I feel honor bound to basically make sure that I I I keep my ears open to the things that they have to say. You know, they basically write that off as oh that's just hyperbole. So the question remains is. One, is it truly hyperbole? And then two, if you're a supporter of this of this person, how can that kind of hyperbole be okay with you? What 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 makes that okay to say in the in the current climate in which we we go to work and we uh, we we go out for for dinner uh, in today's in today's world? That's that's a dangerous thing, like John. Said. I mean, I mean, Bob Hines, they, they bring up a very valid point. I mean, when Donald Trump is talking about Second Amendment supporters can do something about Hillary Clinton's judicial picks if she's elected, the delegitimacy of the election process when we even have when we even haven't even cast a ballot. Is this is this the reason why we're seeing prominent Republicans? come out, not just not supporting him, but coming out actively against him, the latest one being Susan Collins, the senator from Maine. And my guess is you will see a continual dribble of people doing the same thing the senators does. I think people are just fed up, fed up with him. But, but to me, John, don't, Republicans don't want to be tarred with him. But to me, John Allen, this lends credibility to his anti-establishment rhetoric saying, you know what, they're part of the problem. He said in previous speeches that the people that are coming out against him 
are the reason why we have the problems in the Middle East. He said, reason, the reason why ISIS has expanded, the reason why we do have economic problems that we do. Demand's a nut. I don't take any great joy in saying that. I mean, I, I, I believe that we should have two strong candidates for the presidency at least every election cycle. And I think that it's, uh, I think it's more than disappointing that we've got one who really should be nowhere near uh, public office, much less the highest public office in the land. But I will say this, with the Republicans coming out against him, what was more interesting to me than Susan Collins, who I thought kind of took a weak, uh, a weak shot at this to say she wouldn't be for Trump, but she wouldn't be for Clinton and she might write somebody in. Uh, I thought the 50 national security advisors uh, to Republicans over the course of the years who came out with a letter yesterday saying that they would never vote for Trump was much more significant because both of the prominence of those officials, including two former Homeland Security secretaries, Michael Chertoff and Tom Ridge, George Bush, a CIA director and Michael General Hayden, Hayden. A, a director of national intelligence and John Negroponte, and the breadth of it, 50 people. This isn't just Colin Powell coming out in 2008 for Barack Obama. This is 50 of the nation's strongest minds on national security on the Republican side saying this man does not belong near the White House. Carl Tubin? Yeah, plus the fact that, that um, <clears throat> you know, I think that, that what has happened, um, and I said this last week, I think that his fighting with the cons uh, really has put up uh, a kibosh on his campaign because, you know, Hillary had a jump after the convention. Right. But when the con when they got into it with the cons, the jump got got uh, better. Right. More. Bob Hines. Yeah. The guy's an idiot. <laughs> the you know, the fact of the matter is he's so out of touch with rational political think politi- political thinking and how to do anything. He's just he just is gonna rant and rave and I think we should basically let let everybody know that that's listening that he is just he's off the wall. But he's off the wall. He's going to stay off the wall. Pay no attention to him. But, but Congressman Al, I, I, I go back to the point I made earlier, and the question I posed earlier is this again plays into Donald Trump saying those fifty guys are part of the problem that we need a new establishment, not the old same old. Is, is this is this an argument that's going to work with anybody outside his base? It's going to work outside his base. That, that you qualify. I was going to say it's going to work with the people that bought him in the first place. He has said so many things that rational people would, would not only disagree with, but have nothing whatever to do with, uh, that, uh, that... Yeah, Ken. Ken, Ken. So... Let, let's let's just take Tom Ridge in the. Uh, 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 well, incidentally, I served with him in Congress. He's a and, very and, level. And Secretary Shirdoff. So let so if you take Donald Trump at his word, and he 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 basically thinks that these guys are part and parcel responsible for the problems that we have now. Let's take Department of Homeland Security. It's not a it's not a great department, not a great agency, but it's a good agency. And what do I use to measure that? No successful external um, attack against the United States since 9-11. Okay? That's not just luck, kids. That's, that's people, professionals, being pulled together, developing processes, tools, 
and, and techniques to be able to keep the bad guys out to where you can get up and go out to, go out to school without worrying about getting blown up. So, you know, if, if he says, oh, yeah, and he used the same comment toward anyone who disagrees with him, they don't know what they're talking about. They're part of the problem. Well, you know what? Who are you going to get, Don, yeah. if you get elected? Who are you going to get to basically help you navigate around a situ- uh, situations where you arguably, arguably have got no, no expertise and running the, the Miss USA pageant does not get it done? But, 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 John, uh, Allen, uh, but John Allen, when, when we look at uh, you know, when we look at the situation with Donald Trump and we look at like General Michael Hayden, former NSA CIA director, huge figure in national security, respected by both parties. When he comes out and says that Donald Trump is dangerous, does this put the intel community in kind of a catch-22 of saying, look, we're going to give you the intel briefings, but does he have the discipline to keep his mouth shut about the intel briefings? And is the intel community going to give him a full briefing? Is it in their interest? Look, I think they have to give him a full briefing until he proves himself incapable of keeping that information. Uh, it is unfair for one candidate to have more information uh, than the other. And the way things actually work, I mean, I'm gonna I'm gonna reveal a big you know gambling in the casino kind of thing here. But uh, what really happens in government is at the end of the day, people in government and agencies get on telephone calls with campaigns. The civil servants who are you know in their hearts Republicans and in their hearts Democrats get on the phone with campaigns and tell them what's going on anyway. So it may not be quite the high level of the security briefing. But the campaigns ought to have a pretty good idea of what's going on around there. <clears throat> Until he proves himself incapable, uh, he should be good at briefing. That said, I mean, the man just said Second Amendment people can stop Hillary Clinton from making judicial picks. Well, Michael Hayden, going back to the comment he made about the Second Amendment people, Michael Hayden on CNN just announced that any other American making that statement in a public event would be either investigated or arrested by the U.S. Marshal Service. I disagree with Michael Hayden on that, and here's why. I think what he said is despicable, and at the same time, there is a difference between a threat and a dog whistle. And I, so but is I, he really playing with a dog whistle? That's the concern, is these are people that literally brought guns, open carry, to the Republican National Convention in Cleveland that we saw. I mean, we're not talking small sidearms. We're talking long guns, AR-15. Cleveland oh, looked like Tel Aviv. It did. It absolutely did. But is he really playing with a dog whistle? Are these people that will absolutely take what he says as gospel? Yeah, I mean, that he's he's it lying only himself. Takes one. Yeah. Right. That's the problem. It only takes one. Go ahead, Carl Kevin. I'm not. But I should let me clarify. I'm not defending what he said in any way, shape, or form. I'm just saying that I'm not sure that the Secret Service would treat that as a threat necessarily. I, I know, if I had said it, I can tell you right now, the Secret Service would be crawling up my rear end with a microscope right now. It would be an all-day event. But <laughs> yeah. I was going to say, Justin, we're not talking about your fantasy. Uh, yeah. <laughs> maybe, maybe maybe two maybe. Event. Carl Dubin, go ahead. Well, the, other, the other, I mean, he's still shooting from the hip. So when, when that statement, right, when that statement came came out from the national security people, he turned to him and said, "You're the same people that got us into Iraq." Turns out, none of them were serving in in the government when the Iraq thing came up. True story. Yeah. True story. So here's the question, Congressman Al, is that 
you have you have a Republican candidate for presidency that has demonstrated a lack of discipline in not saying I'll come out and say it stupid things. You have a Democratic uh, candidate for president that has yet to divulge any sort of substantive plan for how he's going to fix the quote-unquote problems in America. What does the Republican Party do at this point other than throw their hands up in the air? Well, the key words you add there is at this point. I think the Republican Party needed to do something a long time ago. Uh, this has been festering in the Republican Party for some time. Uh, the, 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 the gang of uh, ultra-conservatives, extreme conservatives that were elected, the Tea Party folks, uh, were, were on the edge of all of this a long time ago. And uh, the, the Republican leadership chose to leave them alone, uh, not... Uh, chastise them in any way uh, and not draw any lines in the sand about what is appropriate behavior from Republican policy standpoints. Admiral Ken, I, I typically have an issue with Democrats telling Republicans how to be better Republicans, but in, in this situation, Congressman Al is absolutely right. You know, there's there's a concept, and, and John McCain used it in his, uh, in his uh, failed bid for the presidency, country first. You know, if, if, if people like Paul Ryan, who have been described as the soul of the Republican Party, um, you know, turn, turn tail in, in, uh, in, in, a, in a fight like this and doesn't, and doesn't step up, uh, then how can we expect the, the other leaders of the party to do the same? You know, you, you know I, I'm, I'm troubled by this on several different levels because, one, as a, as a voting black Republican, you know, over the last 35 years, I've, I've, I've basically stood up and been heckled and, 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 and verbally abused for my political views because I think Lincoln's party, the party of Lincoln, is a big tent party. But when you get a situation like the one we've got now, it plays into the hands of those who say, who, who basically said the Republican Party is the party for the rich and it's the party for the whites. And now, now you're getting a lot of I told you so's. The time for Republican leadership to stand up right now. Carl Tubin. Well, last week or the week before, uh, uh, the chairman of the Republican National Committee uh, talked, to, talked to Trump, and he had other people talk to Trump. And uh, that is part of, I think, the toning down at this point, if, you, if it's a toning down. They, they tried to get to him, and they tried to tell him. And there was a whole movement and, uh, um, to, to take the nomination away from him. And... Uh, uh, Priebus had, had mentioned two or three sections of the uh, rules of the Republican Party that it could be done, and and so you know they did they did talk they did speak out. Congressman Al, when a party starts to veer off into crazy land, the party's got a problem because taking those people on will cause problems. The party will. will, will start having internal fights and whatever, and not taking them on merely defers that. And I think the Democrats demonstrated that with George McGovern many years ago. Right. They didn't move yeah. soon enough to say George is a little bit falling off the left right. side of the world. And uh, they didn't do it, and they paid for it. And I think the Republicans in this instance didn't do it. 
And mark my words, they they're going to pay right. for it. John Allen, hold that thought. We're going to take a quick break. We're going to continue the discussion. When we come back, this is Backroom Politics live on Blog Talk Radio from Shelley's Backroom, 1331 F Street in the heart of our nation's capital, Washington, D.C. We'll be back in three minutes. Stay with us. You know, Shelley's Backroom has been hosting Backroom Politics for seven years. Seven years. It's still unbelievable we've been doing it that long. But make no mistake about it. Shelley's Backroom is one of a kind in Washington, D.C. Shelley's is a comfortable retreat for cigar aficionados and those who simply want to unwind. The casual but elegant space features soft lighting, cozy couches, and overstuffed chairs. Shelley's Backroom is a cigar-friendly establishment, but the -the state-of-the-art air purification system keeps the atmosphere comfortable for smokers, and non-smokers alike. Sit back and enjoy yourself while chatting with friends or watching one of the eight high-definition TVs or come by any Tuesday, enjoy your favorite cigar or one of the signature cocktails and watch how backroom politics is made. Convenient to public transportation and the sites of the nation's capital, Shelley's is easily dividable to accommodate intimate gatherings or large-scale special events. Shelley's Back Room, 1331 F Street, in the heart of our nation's capital, Washington, D.C. As Bob says, it's the place to be.
This is Backroom Politics. And we're back here live at Chili's Backroom, 1331 F Street in the heart of our nation's capital, Washington, D.C. It's Backroom Politics live on Blog Talk Radio. If you want to join the discussion, you can call in 657-383-0419. Again, that number is 657 657- 383-0419. Switchboards are open. Uh, we're continuing to talk about uh, the latest situation with Donald Trump, where Donald Trump today at a rally in North Carolina came back and said that Second Amendment supporters can fix the Clinton problem as far as picking judicial uh, Supreme Court justices. You want to start off. Go ahead, John Allen, for the break. The people who should be angriest about this, and this will be a real test, of their uh, philosophical coherence are the members of the National Rifle Association. Because what Donald Trump just suggested is that gun owners are so irresponsible that they would take to their arms to stop Hillary Clinton from making judicial picks. That's the group that ought to be coming out and condemning Donald Trump first, hardest, loudest, and most often. But here's the problem with that. Here's the problem. Hell will be freezing over first. Well, that too. And by the way, in case you didn't notice, joining us, Dan Lipner. Little we'll bit have late. to pull the gun from his cold dead hand. Yeah, yeah, Charles, a la Charles Henson. But Dan Lipner joining the table better late than never. But, here, but here's the problem with that, John Allen, is they're going to say this is exactly what the Second Amendment was for, is the citizens defending themselves against a tyrannical government, a la what Hillary Clinton would put into place. That is what they're going to say. I don't have words that aren't profanities for that. That is loony. No, no, it is. I'm just telling you. I don't back it. I'm just telling you what they're going to say. And that's that's the 20% that are going to end up voting for... uh, The loonies. No, no, but but seriously, John Allen, I mean, keep going with that. The NRA is not going to say that, that the Second Amendment exists so the gun owners can rise up against the government. The NRA is not going to say that. The NRA has to operate on the view that gun owners responsibly hunt and protect their homes and protect their property and follow the law and follow the law. And the law does not allow for what Donald Trump is suggesting. Right. A lawfully nominated and selected and voted for president of the United States would all be lawful. That none of that counts for a tyrannical government. Because you don't like what judges she would and try to get through a Senate that has a filibuster. Yeah, but but here's but here's, also I mean, lawfully elected just, people. No, 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 just the filibuster is a better option. Ken, Ken, Ken Carradine, Admiral Ken, you and I have talked to, as many of us here around the table have, have talked to gun owners who are absolutely pure Second Amendment advocates that say that we are part of the well-regulated militia that defends against tyrannical government. Hillary Clinton is that tyrannical government, which is what we would hear from some of these Second Amendment advocates. Is there going to be a disconnect between those hardcore Second Amendment advocates and the NRA, you as an NRA member? Well, so to be clear, I am no longer an NRA member. I haven't haven't paid my dues in about three or four years. Okay, fair uh, enough. But so, so I guess, you know, yeah, I am, I, I'm a cheap SOB. I'm buying cigars for you, Congressman Al. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but I, I think, I think, oh, yeah, it's the last one. I think there'll be more, just a more slow version of homicide. <laughs> I think, and I, okay, so I, I think that to, to John's point, the, 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 your, your, your run-of-the-mill NRA member is, is not going to basically uh, take to the streets and be ranting and raving 
about uh, Hillary Clinton's election and her basically starting up a tyrannical government. The issue is that one or two percent that seems to follow our, our, our civilization through everything that we do. Those are the guys and gals to some extent that you really got to worry about. They won't listen to reason. They will do stupid things that will end up getting them on news or somebody else hurt. The real question, and it goes back to what, what John, I think, was alluding to, is what position will the NRA take on, on Donald Trump's comments? They have, they have a unique opportunity now to basically say, you know what? We, we represent the lawful ownership and use of firearms. What this person has recommended, if, if, if nothing else, skirts that, that, that line and in some people's minds crosses over it, and we don't back that. They've got a great opportunity here. It'll be but, interesting to see what they do with it. Bob Hines. And the NRA would be exactly wise to do that. Yeah. Because but is Wayne up here that savvy that he would go against a large group that does support Donald Trump? I think he has to. He has to. Does he? At the risk at the risk of having a revolt inside the membership of the NRA? Let's face it, where are they yeah. gonna go? Where no, are they, no, they, no, they gonna go? All right, Dan Littner first. Let's go with the all evidence to the contrary of what the NRA has done at all in the last 10, 15 years. Let's just run down the list of things the NRA has either supported or said. After shootings in schools, we should arm teachers. Uh, suggested being in favor of legislation that would outlaw the banning of guns, to be clear, that's saying a, a facility like, say, Shelley's back room could not prevent people from bringing guns in. That said, D.C. is not one of those jurisdictions where that would be possible. But in Texas, they, it is now legal to bring guns in both bars and churches no, it's by not. law. No, it's not. Go ahead. Ahead. go ahead. I know what you're going, but go, it's not. Go ahead. So there has been a reoccurring theme of irresponsible things the NRA has supported and rarely spoken up in a useful, meaningful way that would actually be supportive of the responsible gun owners, some of which I know, some of which are around this table, that, that all would be in favor of reasonable things going forward. That said, each time somebody else said something, unreasonable. The silence is deafening from the NRA. Carl Tubin. This is, this is another example where you can't hold this person down. That remark should have never been made. And the only thing it's going to do is it's going to, going to take another section of the population, the voting population, who were for him and force them to come over to Hillary, Hillary, Hillary Rodham Clinton. Congressman and, now. I think we need to keep in mind that the NRA is among those people who are all wrapped up in the Second Amendment. It's relatively moderate next to some of the others that are out there. Uh, So that, you know, if it only takes one, it could well not be an NRA member, but um, what, what are some of these other organizations that are really go off the deep end? Gun owners, owners of America. Gun owners of America. There yeah. are others that can be inflamed by this, let alone a few of the less responsible members of the NRA. The NRA has tweeted, as we were speaking, and said, real Donald Trump is right. If Hillary Clinton gets to pick her anti-Second Amendment SCOTUS judges, there's nothing we can do. Hashtag never Hillary. So, are the, okay, wait a minute, wait a minute. Is the NRA in that tweet, John Allen, 
supporting Donald Trump's yes. actual are, but then again, are they advocating for the use of the revolt or the use of firearms in uh, not explicitly, but can it be can, uh, they are ad, ad, actually advocating for well for people to form well regulated militias and organize somehow as unlikely. But behind <laughs> I mean I mean is is that hyperbole? Or is there a clear and present danger that people will take this to, to heart? Let's hope it could they be both. Yeah, could be both. Let's hope they Let's look at the Second Amendment. The Second Amendment originally was because of the fact that we didn't have a large army uh, and, and they allowed people to have guns in their homes so that if something would happen and we, we need to bring people together to fight for the country, they would. Now, that has now been interpreted as people can have guns in their home and any place else. And I'm not sure whether whether that is in that amendment. <laughs> well, the, the, the right to bear arms is clearly in the Second Amendment. Right. It is very, well, it very is clear. Since the, since the Supreme Court said it was. Right. Yeah. Right. I mean, court, and that, that basically upheld Supreme it. Court said it was. Yeah. It was interpreted broadly in the opposite direction. Right. Yeah. Right. Well, but, but I mean, look, the John Supreme Allen. Court also uh, found a privacy right in uh, Roe versus Wade. Uh, you know, I mean, we we live by the laws and the interpretations and the judgments of the Supreme Court. Absolutely, I agree, and I most I, of us do. Donald Trump is. But you're, you're, you're right. But what I said, no. <laughs> I, I, the truth is, I don't disagree with you. I mean, historically, you're completely right about that. And, and to make it clear, I've always argued that, that's, that the Constitution says what the Supreme Court says it says. And in this case, the Supreme Court said something I think is right. profoundly but, stupid, but it is nevertheless the law of the land. Right. But, but Bob Hines, this is another example of Donald Trump showing his ineptness or naivete about running for president, at what point do we start seeing Republican leadership, a la uh, Harry Reid, a la uh, uh, Paul Ryan? Mitch McConnell. Mitch McConnell. I apologize. Mitch McConnell. Harry Reid would not care. Where do we see like Mitch McConnell, Paul Ryan, and other prominent Republicans start pulling their endorsements of Donald Trump? I believe you will start to see it. And if you don't, I'd be very disappointed. Well, I mean, you, You'll you, see it tomorrow you, after yeah. Paul Ryan wins his primary. Yeah. You think so? Yep. I wouldn't be surprised. If not, if not tomorrow, then within no. the I mean, Really? Listen, He's got listen, to. Yeah. Trump is just over the edge. Yeah, Wisconsin doesn't even play that. that but, but, you know, Paul... No, 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 go ahead, Carl Tubin. Paul Ryan also um, said, I think yesterday morning or sometime maybe this morning, that, you know, you can't remove him as presidential candidate. So, But that, that's a far different cry, though, John Allen, than saying, look, you, this is our bed. We, we, got, we made it. We might as well lie on it. The Republican Party is at such peril right now of the entire nation looking at the Republican Party as one, Yep. that these guys are going to have to break off and make very clear that they do not stand with Donald Trump 
or people who would otherwise not lose their seats are going to lose their seats. But and that has got to be what Paul Ryan's chief concern is: protecting the House majority. But but hold, hold on, Dan. But Admiral Kent, that you we've seen we've seen Donald Trump attack a Gold Star family. We have seen him come out and say other national security gaps. He's demonstrated an ineptness at understanding foreign policy of any resemblance, i.e. the Crimea question that was posed to him by George Stephanopoulos. There's been a series of not just gaps, but serious, serious mistakes that call into question his capability to be president. And yet there's been tons of on-ramps, but no... One has pulled endorsement. Well, he yeah. lost me when he kicked the baby out. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I so Washington Post did give a Geppetto to uh, the opposite of a Pinocchio to Trump on the kicking the baby out. Well, so. and 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 and, and, and the other thing, that up. The other thing, <laughs> the other thing that he that he didn't mention that you didn't mention was was him so visual uh, seeing the so-called ransom uh, tape when there wasn't one when uh, the uh, we sent the four hundred million. To, uh, that, it, to, me again, that, to me, that's minor. It was made by the people who were who were but, celebrating but, that but September 11th. To answer your other question, I, I honestly think it'll, you'll see election day, you know, plus uh, minus about 45 days, depending on how the polls are. The polls, if the polls stay the way that they are, with, with uh, Hillary Clinton maintaining a double-digit lead, um, and the the fact that there are more than just a few people whose whose seats are in jeopardy, I think at that point. People are going to get on the uh, the the, the, uh, the train to basically say, you know what, we're not with this guy. John, John, now, what are you hearing? What, John, what are you hearing on the hill? What's the rumbling going on? I don't think anybody on the hill wants to talk about it. Is it that poisonous right now? Yes. Yeah. It is. I mean, Duncan Hunter, who was one of Trump's immediate, you know, original guys who jumped on board, is, is now, you know, essentially avoiding being seen as a spokesman yeah. for him. I mean, this. It's not funny. Everybody I is said, walking away from it. But, all right, Congressman Allen, then Carl Tubin. The thought occurs to me that it's possible that if the leadership doesn't walk away from him, the troops may walk away from him. You may have the people down ballot. Nope. No. Well, no, go ahead. Well, but that's the problem. I mean, Trump does represent not an insignificant number of people, even with the insanity for which he speaks. And those folks have been pandered to by the party. Trump is not new for the pandering. He is new at consolidating them at the presidential level, but he is not new at that pandering. This creature has been built over decades, and now it's started to take control of the beast. Now, as far as the leadership goes, there actually is a ready-made alternative, and this is arguably lucky for the Republican Party. You have two former Republicans running on the libertarian ticket. You can say, and for the non the non religious Republicans, they don't have a home. Uh, excuse me, the religious Re- Republicans don't have a home to go to. But there are plenty of libertarian s business Republicans that can point to William Weld and, and uh, Gary Johnson and go, "We're going there." And it could be the most successful third-party candidacy ever. And, and, and by the way, there was another. There's, there's another. There's a former CIA operative that has just declared his McMullen. independent McMullen, Brennan McMullen, who has now said that he's running for no other reason than to draw away from Trump. Yeah, he'll be 48 hours of free TV time. I think Dan Lipner's right that there will be a significant move towards a libertarian candidate, both of whom are former Republican governors. Yeah. 
who can be seen as legitimate options. And one thing I wanted to raise, the problem for House Republicans, uh, I think Bob and Al will certainly understand this term, Carl probably too, uh, this is like the binding caucus problem, where uh, in Congress it used to be you have a caucus meeting in, uh, of the majority party, and the majority of that majority would, would rule the day. So if one more than the majority was on the side of something, basically about a quarter of the Congress, that's what the House of Representatives went to the floor and did. And that's what you're seeing the Republican Party now as a candidate who has just a little bit more than half of the party. But, but, but here's the question I have is, he's been running on the platform of, I got the most votes. 10 million votes voted for me. Yet, if you look at the total number of registered voters, of which about 43% are, in fact, registered, I'm sorry, um, you've got, you've got uh, basically about 46% that are registered independent. You've got 12% of that registered independent but are right of center. And then the, and then the rest of that percentage is Republican or Democrat. Of those Republicans that are registered, he only got maybe a third of the total Republican <clears throat> voter in the primaries. How is that a mandate by the party? It's not a mandate. It's, not a mandate. No, it's, it's, it's always treated like a mandate. But, 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 you know, but it, it is. What it is is a great lesson, if, if, and, and, and it is a fantastic lesson in what happens if you believe in something and you don't show up and vote. This is what you get, kids. No, but, what you get. no, but the problem is what, people did show up and vote. Uh, Trump, while he did receive the most number of Republican votes ever in the primaries, he also received the largest number of people who vote against him in the primaries. People did show up. It's, this is a different beast. Carl Tubin. Well, uh, I have to point out that the uh, Koch brothers uh, have, have pledged, I think, $750 million dollars to uh, Republican candidates in Congress. Right. But does that is that enough, Bob, to keep off the down-ballot, uh, almost tainting of Trump? I, I don't know. I mean, can, can people, I mean, seriously, can people like Kelly Ayotte, John McCain, uh, and, and the number of key Senate and House races that are in jeopardy right now, they are can indeed. they sustain the Trump effect? Well, I hope they can overcome it. Is it is, are we too far down that rabbit hole, John Allen? They're in the worst place. The ones who are up for, re- for, for re-election right now are in the worst place because if they were for Trump and then they reject him, they pissed off everyone. Yeah. And so the they don't have a lot of options. Not many of them are for Trump. I mean, and ultimately we're going to see a Senate candidate hiding. Really? And that's not really a good way to campaign for election. They're not going to want to answer questions. They're not going to want to go to debate. Because they're going to be forced to defend the things that Trump has I mean, Congressman Allen, we saw the kind of pushback with George W. Bush in his second term on several key races, feeling that he was bringing too much negativity to their race. But we're now actively seeing uh, we're now actively seeing candidates that are not just pushing away saying they're now actively saying we want nothing to do with what you're telling the American public. Is that dangerous for the Republican Party? Well, the senator from Maine is a very major person in the party. But she's not up for re-election, but Kelly Ayotte is. But she's 
she's basically said, I'm not going to support the party's nominee in this instance. And I'm, I, and, and the Admiral disagreed with me when I said, and I'd like him to kind of amplify what his disagreement was. No, I agree with you. I think the party could, at the lower level, start to slough off because the leadership won't do it for them. No, but the leadership what was wrong is, with that. The, the, the no, no, I agree with you. The it leadership is already with me. The leadership is already in trouble. Look, Paul Ryan is Speaker of the House because he was the the choice that was least offensive to everyone. He did not want the job, and Republican Speaker of the House is a terrible job. I mean, Boehner was smiling out the door because he knew he didn't have to deal with the Looney Caucus anymore. And the Looney Caucus, while they are a significant percentage of the Republican Caucus, even those who are not members of that caucus have to play with them, and some of their voters are supportive of the Looney Caucus. So, Which is why Congress hasn't done very much at this point. And who knows what they're going to do. They're going to come back in... uh, in September, probably do an omnibus for X amount of months and leave. Probably right. It's better than being on the loony bus. That's That's true. But but Bob Hines, how much danger is the Republican Party in right now as being a dominant second party? I think there is a severe problem here as long as Trump is around. And I don't know what I mean by that in the sense that I don't know how we're going to get rid of him. I don't think we can shoot him, but there's thought. <laughs> no, 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 Bob. But Bob, I, wouldn't, no. I, wouldn't, I would not want to do it. But the fact of the matter is the Republican Party. You just joined Donald Trump. I yeah, no kidding. Be no, careful with that, Bob. What, you've got to, what the Republicans have got to do is disavow him publicly. Get him out of there. Deny him the leadership. It's possible to be done. Is, is this is this a situation right now, Admiral Ken, where we just write off 2016 and just wait until 2020? Yeah. 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 I mean, just yeah. country country first. And I mean, seriously. I mean, country yeah. first. It, it, profiles and courage would be welcome here. Absolutely. I mean, it would, Isn't it though? When Andrew Johnson's. Uh, Impeachment was up. The I, I as I cast this vote, I look into my open grave. It is a political grave. The that kind of logic for the Republicans, I would actually welcome. I mean, when Jeff Flake said very openly, first when he spoke about uh, uh, Tim Kaine, that I can't think of a bad thing to say about him, even though I profoundly disagree with him on so many issues. And for him to also speak out quickly and early against Trump and other Republicans that have done done that, I respect that. Sure. And while still I won't wouldn't vote for them, to say that looks this is a person that you can actually deal with <clears throat> for a country that thinks Congress and politics is completely dysfunctional. Looking to those people as sure. actual leaders is a good thing. Jeff yeah. Flake, this is a good moment because Jeff Flake is among the most honorable men I've ever met, honorable people I've ever met in covering politics. Uh, when Gabby Giffords got shot, his, uh, his delegation mate from Arizona, he quietly worked with their staff to help get things done, to help move legislation. Somebody he disagreed with on the issues, on many, many issues, and sought no credit for it, but was on the phone constantly with their chief of staff. 
him personally trying to work these things. This is a, a really, really good man, and I would love to see more uh, Republicans and Democrats look to him so, as a model a point, for putting his country before but, but his this, party. This brings up a good point, though, John Allen. Is there anybody right now, we mentioned Jeff Flake, is there anybody on the Hill or in the party that could legitimately show political courage, even to the extent of it may cost him a seat in the future, who has the political balls to do this? Um, McCain, but he could lose his seat in two weeks. That's okay. McCain. And if he senses that he's going to lose, he probably will. Good point. To go out on a high note. Yeah. <laughs> go ahead, Congressman. I think if, if people of less stature, and by that I don't mean bad people, I mean people just don't have the the presence that McCain had. If, if four of them, five of them, eight of them were to stand up and say, we're not going to support this candidate, I think that would be powerful. And furthermore, I, I really think that the leadership should consider that if they they could free up all of those seats that they're worried about by removing this issue from the down uh, down ticket people, if if they individually chose to continue to support Trump, fine, that's their judgment. If they wanted to, as suggested here go for an independent uh, candidate, uh, the, the, the Libertarian Party or so, right. they could do that. I think there are a lot of ways that the down party people could protect themselves if the leadership would pull the rug out from under Donald Trump. But, but, uh, go ahead, John Allen. I, I think the reason that Republicans have disliked the Clintons for as long as they have, more than anything else, is the threat on a partisan level to have candidates who are, who are moderate Democrats, who are moderate on business, who are uh, muscular when it comes to foreign policy. Uh, and I think most Republicans will look around and look at Hillary Clinton and say she's a survivable event for the country. They disagree with the direction of the policy, but the United States will not be uh, materially worse off or in danger of in danger of thermonuclear war, uh, and they will look at Donald Trump and think that this man is not only not uh, um, he is not only potentially an unsurvivable event for the country, but potentially an unsurvivable event for the Republican Party. He doesn't believe in many of the things that the Republican Party does. I, I think by the end of this election, you're you're going to see a historically low vote percentage-wise. Wow. For the major, for the nominee of the major right. party, right? I, I agree. I, I kind of agree. Hold on, hold that thought. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk about Hillary and the problems that Hillary's had this past week. This is Backroom Politics live from Shelley's back room, 1331 F Street, in the heart of our nation's capital, Washington D.C. We will be back in three minutes. Stay with us. You know, everybody thinks of Shelley's back room as a cigar spot in Washington, D.C. You know what the reality is? It is the cigar spot in D.C. Where else can you grab a great cocktail made by world-renowned bartenders? Or where else are you going to get the finest cigar list of any restaurant in all of Washington, D.C.? And then the great food. 
You come for the food. It can be the campfire wings. One pound of roasted, not fried, well-seasoned, marinated jumbo chicken wings with choices of Shelly's honey mustard or blue cheese or ranch dressing. These are award-winning wings. That's why you come to Shelly's. It's the whole package. You can drink, you can smoke, have great conversations with your friends, and have a great food menu. Shelly's Back Room. 1331 F Street in the heart of our nation's capital, Washington, D.C. You know what? It is the place to be. Capital, Washington, D.C. Uh, this is the best damn political show you've never heard of, live on Blog Talk Radio. So uh, we're going to talk Hillary right now. Hillary right now is riding high on a double-digit lead coming out of convention weeks. Uh, literally a week after the convention, she has now got a double-digit, somehow as high as 12 points ahead of Donald Trump nationally. Yet the Democratic candidate still finds ways to continue to step on her own candidacy. i got to tell you something. Dan Lipner, this is a situation where all Hillary has to do is just walk up to the podium, hold up a picture of Donald Trump, and then put it down and then walk away and drop the mic. Why doesn't she do that? She can't find a picture. She should just, <laughs> she should just go into hiding for the next week. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, spend all of her money providing mic for Donald Trump at all levels to speak. Yes. Um, just well, tweet stuff against him. Well, actually, just retweet his tweets from Hillary. <laughs> uh, so, so that said, so the, the Hillary managed to, to step on herself again with the email issue by by, by doubling down on the Comey comments. Well, well, not just doubling down, but misrepresenting the Comey comments. Yeah. If she had instead simply said. Director Comey, I'm willing to accept all Director Comey's 
statements as true. I made a mistake. The, the director of the FBI has looked into this thoroughly, and I will accept all of his conclusions as the conclusive end of this. I messed up, and that's it, and then walk away. But, but Joan Allen, she can't get out of her own way. Hillary Clinton continues to be the worst, best candidate we've ever seen. She's a terrible liar. <laughs> Just a bad liar. Whenever she lies, you know she's lying. And it's, you know, it's when children turn out. Well, hello, she lied, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but, well, Have a good day. Oh, she lied to me. Yeah. So I, it's, uh, it's, it's uh, less than ideal for the Democrats, but she's probably looking around going, 68% of the people think I'm a liar. And I'm still, still wanting a headline but Why would I change my story but, now? <laughs> but, but worth noting, a similar percentage also thinks she has the right temperament to be president. So right. what does that say? What it says is this, and this has never been, these have never been mutually exclusive thoughts. So people can not trust what you're saying and trust you to run the country. Yeah. And, they believe, <laughs> yeah. and they believe that politicians lie. And politicians, right. no offense, congressmen. Politicians from time to time. Why? It's it's actually the, it's actually the art of politics is to get two people. I'm shocked. Two, I'm shocked. To say, the art of politics is to get is to say the two different people, <clears throat> two completely separate things, and have them believe that you agree with them. I believe it might be more artfully said. You have a casual relationship with the facts. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Bob Hines. If I were the Democrats. I would just the state. I would just say, don't do anything. You don't have to. You don't have to spend tons of money on this and that. The Republicans have fallen into a pit. They can't get out. Hope the election comes up not six weeks away, but six days away. Literally. I mean, the, the amazing the Republicans have, have blown it up. I got to tell you something. The, the amazing thing about it. I was, I was interviewed last week by a Foreign News Service, and they were asking. Why has Hillary Clinton not given a press conference in 241 days? It happened to be the day that she gave an impromptu presser with the National Black Journalists and the National Hispanic Journalists uh, Association here in Washington, D.C. But I, I said she doesn't do well in press conferences. She has an army of surrogates that do a much better job for her. Let them speak her campaign. Donald Trump self-destructing yeah. is even better for that yeah. For that campaign strategy, as long as he's talking, she's going to win. <laughs> but 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 Dan Lipner, she still isn't hearing the the noise. Well, in defense of Hillary Clinton, as she and many people have said, Bill is the politician in in the couple. She is the walk, and by her nature, and she is predisposed for giving lengthy, nuanced sometimes casual relationship with the facts answers two things and not the what every political professional communications person would say short succinct sound bites that is not naturally in her arsenal and it's it speaks to politics as a whole that we don't like nuanced answers because it sounds mealy-mouthed and it sounds like you're you're making things complicated the answers are easy which is by the way Part of Trump's success is the answers are easy. I can do this. It's not hard. So Hillary is the antithesis of Trump, but still 
people have find it uh, troubling for those answers, even with the even if you exclude the Comey thing, she she still naturally gives complex answers, which is unfortunate. Go ahead, Ken. She, Ken she, she's doing well because it comes down to a very, very simple and succinct choice. I've got a liar or I've got a crazy person. You know, a liar is not going to probably blow things up. A crazy person, you don't know what they're going to do. So here's a question. That's why she's doing well. But here's a question for you, Carl Tubin. Is Hillary Clinton, every time she opens her mouth, nobody believes what she said. Yet at the same time, she's demonstrated through her actions as Secretary of State, which she was effective. I, I will give her some respect for that. As a U.S. seated senator from New York, I will give her respect that she was effective as a seated senator. It's getting her into that seat that she manages to screw up beyond all recognition. How is it that the campaign has not come to her? And she's got some good minds behind her, come to her and said, boss, do me a favor, shut up. You know, <clears throat> that's what she's done. Yeah. And, and she hasn't had it. But every time she was around, and did, you really, did you really just ask that question about Hillary Clinton's campaign? Seriously. As opposed to Donald, Donald Trump's Trump campaign? campaign? <laughs> well, we know that, we know that Paul Manafort basically is the neuter. He also runs her campaign. Well, all right. So she's the one in charge. All right. Uh, first of all, hold on, hold on. Carl Cuban first. First of all, just, you know, you got to give her some some leeway, and uh, uh, they've given her leeway. But I think there's probably now people inside the campaign, the campaign manager and others, who who were probably gave her the same advice that uh, uh, Bob gave her, and that is, say it's over. It's finished. It's gone. Yeah. Now oh. the, the thing that the thing that worries me is uh, there was something on TV a couple of days ago where they they stopped spending money on certain places, and uh, the the big thing is overconfidence at this point that uh, everybody thinks oh well he's you know he's he's gone he's not going to come back da 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 da. And you can't have that in a presidential campaign. No, there's, no, there's no overconfidence. They're talking about expanding the map. I mean, she's up in Georgia. At Missouri, she's a, a couple of points up. She's up big in Virginia. I mean, they're Pennsylvania just came out, and she's 10 points up, 52 to 42% in Pennsylvania. You know, and that's a change. And Ohio, too. And, yeah. And so, she's going up everywhere. So, I mean, the question is, and I mean, I was joking before, the, what, what could Trump win? And I mean, she's she's up uh, single digits in Utah, and I mean, this is a remarkable. Thing. This is going to be a landslide. Could, could, oh, could we see Bob Hines a possible all blue map with the, or maybe dots of red like Oklahoma, Idaho, maybe Texas, Ooh. Idaho? Yeah, you could. Really? Yeah. Wow. And I wouldn't even say Texas. I wouldn't even say Texas because you know, despite. Ted Cruz's performance at the Republican National Convention, he still has a tremendous following and support base in Texas. And Would Republicans in Texas vote for Hillary or, or vote for a Johnson Well ticket in spite of Donald Trump? Yeah. They would. Yeah, I think so. Wow. I think so. Wow. If Texas goes blue, then, then there is a snowball in hell. They're going to have a snowball fight. Uh, <laughs> but Congressman Al, hold on, Carlton. Congressman Al, he, she has also had a, a, a gap in the past 48 hours. She gave a um, she gave a uh, 
a she was at a rally down in Florida, and in the background, in camera shot, <laughs> is the father of the assailant in the Orlando Pulse nightclub murders. And yet, how does the campaign not recognize the fact that a this guy's here, and b how do they not control the camera shot that much better? Well, that's not entirely fair. That's, no, no, no. Really? No, no. no, 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 no,
illegitimate. And he has no proof. He has no evidence. How can he have proof? We haven't talked about it. The fact of the matter is, he is out of his mind. There was, Just understand that. There was a an, an amazing there was an amazing moment this Sunday on Fareed Zakaria GPS where uh, he, he opens every show with Fareed's take. And I think because of the political season, Fareed Zakaria, who I think is, you know, a fairly bright guy, uh, found it necessary to expound on, uh, on, on his on his comment earlier during the week that he thought Donald Trump was a, a BS artist. And he even went so far as to actually use the words for which BS stands right on the air. On, yeah, on which, which, which the people that in Atlanta did not find amusing at all. <laughs> but, but, but the fact of the matter is, the fact of the matter is, I don't think Donald Trump, Donald Trump, uh, is a liar. I think he, I think he, I have to agree with Fareed Zakaria. He, he's that guy that, that, and he said it best on the show, and I'll repeat it as best as I can now. He's that guy in the bar that pontificates about this, that, and the other. He talks about how great something was. We are at the bar. And, and someone, if, someone, <laughs> if someone interjects the truth that's completely counter that, he would go, oh, yeah, I knew that. But he's still going to sell his stick right. to basically make his point. And I think this, this comment with regard to Second Amendment uh, uh, solutions to Hillary Clinton's uh, SCOTUS choices, uh, as well as voting 15 times, falls completely in line with that. All right. That, that well, Congressman, now you had a comment. Ken said. Oh, okay. Very good. I like it when that happens. But so let's go back to Hillary for a second. Dan Lipner, literally Hillary, this is now, as we're seeing in Ohio, as we're seeing in Pennsylvania, as we're seeing in Virginia, all key swing states, this is now Hillary's to lose. Hillary is a candidate that can actually blow it up. And make this harder than it should be for him. No, no, no you don't I think don't, so. No, no, I don't. So the the one thing that has scared me most about this election and Donald Trump is a domestic terrorist attack that is attributed to foreign powers or yep. or by foreign threat, because the American electorate, as we've seen, does not respond uh, judiciously to such events. Uh, so that that being said. Trump has done what he's done. I'm no longer certain that is the fear factor because of some of the, I mean, the thermonuclear weapon business, the, that has now pushed it off the edge. I am still cautiously optimistic, but it's unclear to me what Hillary could possibly say or do that could offset the disaster that is Trump. It's Hillary Clinton. Did, trust me. I mean, did, did she? Did, is there another child other than Chelsea that we don't know about that was had in a third world country from an ISIS terror? I got one word: white water. <laughs> <laughs> I got one word: white water. That was a good one. Oh, that is a good one, though. Go ahead, Admiral Cam. Then so the, the counter to that Carl. question is: What is the one thing that she could that she could do to to basically better her chances? I would even go so far as to make this a slam dunk. Show us, show us Republicans who, who are really, really just not happy with their choices here. Show us just an ounce of contrition. You know what? Dan said it a few moments ago. You know what, guys? The email thing, it was hubris on my part. I was stupid. I agree with, uh, with, uh, with the director of the FBI. I'm sorry. Show me some contrition. Because if she did that, it would at least take some of the hot air. But when she comes on TV every freaking week since, uh, since Comey went in front of Congress, uh, and, and, and basically says 
and misrepresents what he said, that just makes it that much harder to go, ah, you know what? Maybe Trump, not so much. You know, I don't know. All right, Carl Tubin. You know, uh, going on from where uh, Don said, I think, I think that um, the president and, and national security apparatus is fully engaged in try, trying their best not to let something happen before this election. Right. I think right. they're doing their best unless something happens. Period. 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 Yeah. I mean, nobody Period. wants no, that. Nobody happen. gives a rat's ass. No, 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 no. Hold on. Congress, Congressman Aldo, here's a question for you. Is not, only does, not only does Hillary Clinton have a 10-point lead, but she's also got stumping for every chance he can. You put a microphone in front of a president that now has a 54% approval rating. <laughs> I mean, he, she's got the best of all worlds right now. Yes, and, and, and I disagree with Ken. In I think the best thing she can do is not hold any more any news conferences and just keep writing it out. Uh, if she starts explaining, if she starts apologizing, if she starts explaining, as we said at length, you know, she's only going to make a mistake somewhere along the line. And I think she just hangs in there. Uh, the, the liar thing has been going on for years. That's not new. It's not this. But, he, but here's the big here's the big going on for years and people have heard it and uh, and they made their decisions. They're not going to change that. This is an important thing. So there is one event that is presumably go, at least four events that are presumably going to happen. And that's the presidential debate. Uh, the presidential election commission has been around. There has been Three presidential debates, one vice presidential debate. If she does not have a press conference, it tees up Donald Trump for the email issues once more. And as many people as are surrogates for Hillary Clinton will have to answer yet again. I have no doubt there will be a zillion things to talk about from the debate. However, as we've learned, and even from this rally issue, the press, for as sophisticated as they would like to think themselves to be, they will always defer to the simplest possible issue to go with that regular people believe they understand, and that is still the email issue. Congressman Al, are, are the debates a hurdle that could hurt Hillary, or is this an opportunity for Hillary to show contrition, hubris, and really make a mark in getting a large section of the independent and even some Republicans to go her way. I, I really don't think the contrition thing, but remember, liar. So she, she contrites all over the place. And the people who don't believe her will not believe it. They're not going to change. But will, will the debates, are the debates going to hurt Hillary? They certainly aren't going to hurt Donald Trump. He's hurting. This is a legitimate concern. And, and so the only thing she's got to do is not make a major goof, which is not the, her typical style of making it. She's just got to get through those steadily, and she'll be okay. Carl Tubin. The thing is, is that she will be schooled, and she'll be ready for the questions, and uh, 
and, she'll and she's see, able to absorb information unlike right, her opponent. Right, and, and she, she's going to be able to look very, very good, and then they're going to turn to Donald Trump, who's going to go... But it's not just information. Everyone who has ever spoken of legitimately, subsequently, or met Hillary Clinton has ever suggested this is a dumb woman. There are people who have briefed her on issues of... Serious substance, both domestic, foreign policy, and classified, who have all said she is one of the most prepared human beings, yep. not women, human beings they have ever met. But but again, I go back to the question: is is the are the debates a concern for Camp Hill? The question is. The no, only, the question is, no, are the no, debates no, no. a concern for Camp Hillary? The only way they are a concern for Camp Hillary is Donald Trump somehow learns control. Because Donald Trump's nature of attacking and the insanity in, that he went after attacking people in the Republican primary debates, which were unseemly, to say it least, for nationally televised political events for president. I mean, the hands thing, the sweating thing, I mean... This is unseemly, god awful, ridiculous stuff. Yeah. If he does that, going against yeah. not oh, not just the Democratic nominee, but the first Democratic yeah. presidential nominee, who's also a woman, if he does that on national television, that most Americans, most Americans will watch, then there's nothing to worry about. If he somehow learns self control, then there could be something to worry about. Bob Hines. The Republican Party's nominee has so damaged that there is nothing that Hillary needs to be worried about unless she takes off her clothes someplace or does something stupid and, and, and acts like an idiot. Oh, my God. It's, you, know, it's been, you look at it to this right now. Right now, I suspect that she will not just kill nothing for I suspect that at least 30% of the normal Republican vote will disappear this this election. And I bet it it, will be amazingly, overwhelmingly supportive. Uh, She's going to be a a landslide with me. Bob Bob Hines, that is a very well thought out, great point that you're making. (laughs) Except you just cost us every listener in America that we had by talking about Hillary Clinton disrobing. And doing some sort of strip. The Admiral almost had a stroke. <laughs> I did have a stroke. <laughs> it reminds me of a story that I'll tell you off air. Real quickly, Carl, too. Then. Uh, the other thing is, we, we talked about the president. Joe Biden has, has said that he would go into He would live in Pennsylvania and Ohio. And uh, I hope he still does. Again, delegitimizing the election. Thank you. Thank you, thank you Uncle Joe. The, the, so, Only if he votes in both, according to the, that, That's true. So, here, so, here, so here's the question real quick. is the, the, the situation that we have with, with Hillary Clinton, bottom line, is the debates come up, Hillary goes head-to-head. Her option right now is the capability of looking maternal, looking presidential. Can she maintain that? Yes. 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 Absolutely. Yes. yes. We all agree. Yes. 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 Fair I enough. Mean, I mean, she's been in an elected yes. office. She's twice elected. Her first election was top for, as senator of New York, and sec, her second election, she won all but I believe one or two counties 
in the no. state. This includes one county. all but one county. One county. And, and, and this well, is red parts of the state. Right, and right. she did well in the debates in New York. She did. She did. Uh, Admiral Ken, last word. So, so one of the things I uh, should, should calm the, the Democrats sitting around the table is the fact that as much as Donald Trump has lived in the business world for his career, she's lived in the political world. And, you know, a lot of people wanted to take away from the fact that she was, you know, quote, just the first lady, unquote. Uh, I, I, I really believe that she was a lot more than just the first lady when right. she was in the Clinton White House. She, 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 has, she should have a good command of all the issues such that the debate should be a walk for her. But barring her stepping on it or something else happening, uh, it'll be interesting to watch. Well, we're going to take a break. When we come back, i got one word. Fox News. We'll talk about that when we come back. <laughs> this is Backroom Politics, live on Block Talk Radio. We'll be back in three minutes. This is Backroom Politics, live on Blog Talk Radio. We'll be back in a few minutes. Stay with us. politics. We'll be back momentarily. Stay with us.
<laughs> and we're back here live at Shelly's back room. Hold on for the joiner music. This is backroom politics. It, it does have a certain uh, anchorman quality to the music, doesn't it? Hey, yeah, we're back live here at Shelly's back room. This is backroom politics live on Blog Talk Radio. It's going to take more than the music. Yeah, that's true too. Hey, uh, we're going to talk a little bit about the soap opera going on in New York City with Fox News. In case you haven't noticed, uh, Roger Ailes is out as the head of Fox News. But not forgotten. But not forgotten uh, because that 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 wake. That weight coming from that ship is huge. Um, it starts off. It starts off with a situation where Gretchen Carlson uh, made accusations and filed a lawsuit against Fox News and, or against Roger Ailes for sexual harassment. It is then turned into a large, spinning out of control issue with Fox News. Now news has come out, along with more sexual harassment accusations being thrown against Roger Ailes, it also now appears that Roger Ailes was using Fox News money to do private investigative uh, uh, actions against those who disagreed with him, both internal to Fox News and external, including following several journalists to get dirt on him. You can't make this stuff up. You can't. Not unheard of in corporate America. No, 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 no. But this, but this is Roger Ailes. This is Fox News. Fox News. Fox News now is starting to go into damage control mode after it was released that there was a black ops office inside of Fox News where these operations were undertaken. Several quote-unquote consultants were released by Fox News after the story breaks in the New in uh, the New Yorker magazine. So here's the big question Wait, for that's you: consultants, air quotes around, yeah, air quotes around the consultants, <laughs> i.e., investigators. So here's the question: is is, is Fox News, who has largely been the holier-than-thou network because they do tailor to the far religious right? Fox News now has a situation, Bob Hines, where they're having to defend against a litany of bad issues. Does this take away from the credibility of Fox News in any way? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm laughing. We're trying to be fair now. <laughs>
funneling the, the journalism of, yeah, of, of, others. Of, of others. But there have been plenty of cases of, of actual reporters who worked at Fox for a short tenure after they left saying that, that, that their coverage was manipulated and steered in very deliberate ways. So, I mean, that, that's aside from the infotainment of the Sean Hannity and the Bill O'Reilly's on Fox News. Go ahead, Admiral, or Congressman Al. Who came up with the idea that there was a war on Christmas? That there was a war on Christmas? That was Bill O'Reilly. It was Fox News. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> it really couldn't have happened to a better bunch of people. <laughs> I, I, what I've always wondered is is how could how could there be sex sexual uh, harassment against Roger Ailes? I mean, all you have to do is, is look at it. You know. I would like not to be sued this week, Congressman. I would, and by the way, for you those listening, the views and expressions of Congressman Al Swift are not necessarily those of myself, backroom politics, or Shelley's back room. Anybody else at the table. Yeah, or anybody else at the table. Right uh, okay. Have you looked at him lately? Good Lord. Again, trying not to get sued. Uh, but Admiral Ken. <laughs> I thought you liked me. Go ahead. <laughs> you know, you all want to talk about it. Let's talk about Fox. I didn't think it'd go this way. Go ahead. Even I. Uh, so, and I'm not even giving the call-in number because the first one that calls in is Roger Ailes' son. But, but, he, but he, here's the thing: if if there was that much. <laughs> If there was that much uh, dysfunction going on at the top levels of Fox News, does it call into the credibility of the individual journalists? This has got to be hurtful to the journalists that are actually trying to practice their craft in such a soap opera environment. So, so I, I think the answer is yeah. Um, I, I think as much as we'd like to hold Fox News in disdain, I think there's yet another network that is possibly on the other side of the coin with regard to pushing their agenda, MSNBC. Well, that's always uh, been but, the case. But it's always been the case. But, but, uh, yeah, but you've but, never challenged <laughs> MSNBC's facts. Sure, I have. Uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Religiously. Watch, I was just saying, watch Rachel Maddow. Really, really, religiously. And I think you need to draw a clear line uh, of distinction between, between the commentators and the, the reporters. The reporting, it, it, by and large, it, is pretty good. The commentary, Bill O'Reilly, uh, Sean Hannity, yeah, you, you kind of need to take a shower after it, but, you know, and you, you look at it for, 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 for some levels of entertainment as to how far right they can be. You can go to another, another network to see how far left you can get and still somehow miss, miss the truth with, with sometimes maybe in the middle. But the fact of the matter is, yeah, I think those guys, uh, the, 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 report, the reporters who are there just trying to do really, really good work, I think are really kind of, they're, they're embarrassed, and I think they're, they're, they're ashamed of what's going on. But I think the other question is, is do you, do we really think that all this took place under Roger Ailes' leadership without there being a, a, a host of other executives who were involved in this? Do you include Rupert Murdoch in that? I, I, I don't I don't I you know what here's the deal. So I, I'm from a naval environment, okay? So when you're a captain, you're responsible for everything that goes on in your ship, and and and, and, and good and bad. So you can be asleep in your stateroom, and when you hit somebody, guess what? You're still going to get kicked, uh, kicked to the curb. Bob Hines is the former vice president of government affairs for National Broadcasting Corporation. Does Rupert Murdoch have some culpability in this? Do you think he knew? Uh, 
I would greatly doubt it. Really? Yes. Why? Just because I know enough about the man to know he's pretty far up here and he's not, he's not down. Doesn't deal with it. Congressman Al is a former Emmy Award winning newscaster from Seattle. Uh, does He's still current Emmy Award winner. Uh, I don't think he lost the Emmy. No, that's true. As an Emmy Award winning newscaster from Seattle. Absolutely. You never lose the Emmy. It's like being a Marine. So, Roger Ailes and Rupert Murdoch have always said that Fox News is not a news outlet. It is, in fact, entertainment. Uh, Does that help lessen the blow that Fox News is going to take right now? No. It doesn't. The mistake that they made and MSNBC makes, in my judgment, is you can't mix the two and claim to objectivity. Correct. You, you just, you know, you, 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 you either are going to play that game, and it's a free country, you can do that, but then don't try and convince anybody that you're objective. And, and I think the question about what this does to the reporters who... who all the evidence I know is are trying to be straight in their reporting. It's got to be hugely embarrassing and extremely difficult and probably hurts their future uh, employment opportunities. Credibility. It comes back to the credibility question. Dan Lindner. Well, in defense of news agencies, including Fox News, as loath as as I am to say this, these aren't in business to be money-losing ventures. Uh, and what we've learned over and over and over again is the American public is unwilling to invest in things that actually make them more informed in a meaningful way. Newspapers are losing business or going out of business nationwide unless they are bought out by, God willing, a benevolent savior as the moment looks like the Washington Post was. It's like Jeff Bezos is a saint. But at, at the moment, there's no sign of Jeff Bezos interfering with, with news coverage, unlike uh, the Nevada newspaper. Oh, the Las Vegas paper, where, which is owned by Sheldon, Sheldon Edelstein, who, 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 who that, that has that's been widely reported, who has more than put his thumb on the scale as far as what, what coverage occurs, not just what coverage occurs, the outcome of that coverage as far as unbiased journalism. So, so you obviously saw the John Oliver thing on this week tonight on HBO. Yeah, well, yeah. I, I knew about it before that, but John Oliver is actually doing God's work in letting regular people so engage since, in this since you brought up, Since you brought up, like that. Since you brought up like the that. John Oliver situation, bottom line, I have to ask a question, is you know, John Oliver in his in his uh, monologue about print journalism, basically states that, you know, Americans are going to become less informed. They're going to become more of an idiocracy than if there is not print journalism. Print journalism has to be there. The community papers have to be there. Especially in the should, is They should have, uh, as, 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 as a few people have put it, uh, unless there is a reporter covering the zoning board hearings, the city commissions, that they are going to have rampant fraud and corruption go through the system. Is that a reason why Americans should be concerned at the descent of print journalism in America? Absolutely. I think the most important thing is that there have to, the public has to believe that what they're reading in the newspapers, 
what they're hearing on television, on radio, they have to believe that it's true, it's accurate, and it's timely. They have to believe in it. If they don't, if we get if we get into a situation where, where we don't believe in what we're reading and seeing on television, we're in deep shit. Congressman Al, family show, family show. It first has to be there though. Like believing is great. But hold on, hold on, Congressman Al. Congressman Al's going to lose his talked around this table many times about the effect of, of cable news. Now let's make a distinction. I watch NBC religiously. I don't know why. I Thank have you. For years. Uh, but I, I see CBS and ABC often enough. All three of those, I think, tell, tell it straight. The old-fashioned way. You look at those newscasts, and you could put David Franklin, even Walter Cronkite in. in don't forget Harry Reasoner. Harry Reasoner or any number of others from that period. That's continuing. I mean, what what happened? What, what's his name? The the guy that uh, Brian Williams. Brian, Brian Williams, who who I excellent. thought who I thought was excellent, made a mistake. <clears throat> so when we talk about this, we're 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 brushing legitimate news sources with the brush that we legitimately use for cable news. So it's not all of the news that people are getting that is distorted. But go ahead. So, Ken Karen, I, uh, you know, to, uh, to, to Bob's point, the, 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 there's a challenge right now in that people will watch Fox News and will watch MSNBC without being able to draw a clear line of distinction oh. between news and commentary. Absolutely. They blend the two. And they come away with this, 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 this attitude that they are out to get us, regardless of which side of the fence that they're on. Mm-hmm. And they, 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 will take, they will take hyperbole. They will take innuendo from people like Sean Hannity and Rachel Maddow. And that becomes their news without being able to clearly understand this is opinion. This is opinion that is basically being put on top of a news event. The challenge is uh, – the challenge is – you know, being able to for, for the for the cable news guys to be able to say clearly, this is commentary. This is not the news, and that's the and I think that is the brush with which we are we are we are, we are, we are painting cable news. I I, I tell this I, I give this this whenever I talk to college students or I give this speech at, at college campuses around the district, I always tell them that you know very rarely do I see anybody who even could mention a time when there wasn't a 24-hour news cycle. Now, they don't remember a non-digital, non-internet news cycle. But they when, see Walter whom? Right. I mean, when, when we grow up, with maybe the exception of Dan Littner, when we grew up, we had three sources of news on TV. We had, we had Harry Reeser on ABC. We had Walter Cronkite on CBS. And we had John Chancellor on NBC. But a large... Part of our news gathering was done through the print media of our local newspapers. Mm-hmm. We've now gone from journalism to information aggregation. How dangerous is that, Bob? Does that create a lazy, stupid, misinformed electorate? 
Well, I think they were lazy and stupid long before that. Thank God you're not running for Congress anymore. It's a different problem. Like, the problem is the lazy, misinformed electorate. The Congressman now may have a point there. The problem is the legitimate, substantive, un, untainted with, I will use an air quote since removing bias entirely is difficult for anyone who has a pulse. There's always some bias. However, the question is without local, without local print media, whether or not that information will even be there. That's the real question. Nobody minding the store, nobody being there. In Washington, D.C., there is not a hearing that does not have attendance of some reporter in something, and that includes for local government. Once you, get, once, you, once you get to the state, that's not necessarily the case. All right. All right. Ken Carradine, then Carl Tubin. It may be my age, but I remember a time when, when, when reporters, both print and television, they, they, they knew that the lazy, uninformed electorate was there. But rather than cater to them, they tried to basically raise, raise the bar, raise the bar yes. and, and, and elevate their thought. I don't see that happening much these days. Carl Tubin. I think it's going to be very interesting to to see what Rupert Murdoch and his sons decide to do with Fox News, <clears throat> whether they're going to, to uh, change it in, in, in ways to make it a, a more modern uh, news facility or giver of the news, or whether they're going to keep it as is. I think they're going to make a lot of changes. It'll be very interesting. It's going to be very interesting to watch I, I got to tell you something, you know, the, the, the one thing I would love to see, it will never happen, but I would love to see Fox News take on a BBC World Service aspect to it. Just go with boring, basic news for majority of the day and then have commentary at night. So they, they, they don't invest enough in reporters, and this is a known commodity. Fox News, of all of the major news agencies, invest less in actual people who do the shoe leather journalism than any other major media outlet out there. And, and this is including MSNBC because they figured out while you can pay Bill O'Reilly or Sean Hannity a mint, it's still cheaper than the 100, 150 other, other journalists you'll have to have in those bureaus, not just around the country, but around the world in order to actually acquire and do the journalism to actually ask the hard questions. Well, you know what? Warm. That's hard work. Then you know what? Kudos to CNN for maintaining that model. They've got bureau chiefs around the world. They've literally taken over the top spot in the 24-hour uh, three major news networks. They've taken over the top spot again. And they're not the most exciting, entertaining, hot, blonde, leg-showing that Fox News is. They still maintain number one for their for their somewhat journalistic credibility. And by comparison, and by comparison, uh, CNN versus MSNBC and Fox News, much more news coverage than commentary. By yeah. a large, by yeah. a large I, ironically, every time they've tried to do a show on just commentary, it's been a disaster. And that's right. That's, right. <laughs> that's, that's very funny. That's very funny. Uh, <laughs> But I, but I, I gotta give them, I, I gotta give, I gotta give CNN credit yep. for, for, for 
maintaining that. that that's and making sure we know everything about the Malaysian air flight that vanished. Okay, that that, oh, come on. That, that's just so last year. They had wall-to-wall coverage for about six months. But, you know, honestly, I don't fault them on that. I, I don't think that was good that. because I don't I think, think most people I think knew right. that when a plane goes over the, over the ocean, it's gone until it shows up on the other side. Right, In the 21st right. century, that's just stupid. Well, we, we, we were going to have time for <laughs> tell me a story, but we're kind of out of it. But there's one story that's hanging out there that I want to bring up. There's buzz going around D.C. that former GOP presidential candidate Carly Fiorina is making a play to possibly become the chairman of the Republican National Committee. Bob Hines. Why, why are you laughing? Why are you laughing? Because she's a woman. No, she's because she's sticking me. Because, well, we were already talking about casual relationship with the facts and her. I, I saw that video. Whoa, 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 uh, she's got political credibility. She showed her chops yeah. in the in the in the primary process. Does Carly Fiorina look like a person that could help be the spur of a new Republican Party after the Trump fiasco? I wish that I knew. Honestly, I mean, I'm I don't know. I would hope so. Admiral Ken, given given Trump's appeal to college-educated women. <laughs> would be a step in the right direction. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, the question now becomes is, Carl Tubin, who's the next chair of the DNC? Donna Brazil's holding down the fort right now, and she's trying to stomp out the paper bag of dog poop that was left on the front porch. Who, does Donna Brazil possibly stay on as full-time DNC chair? I would hope so. Possibly. <clears throat> but, can they convince know, her? Does it make sense for Donna? Well, they would have to pay her a lot of money because evidently she was <clears throat> making uh, good good money with uh, the, the gigs that she was doing outside of the DNC. Could <clears throat> could Dan Lipner, could Donna Brazil help fix some of the wounds that are present after what happened with Debbie Wasserman Schultz, the DNC email fiasco? Uh, well, no, uh, she's too much of an establishment person, and 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 I respect Donna Brazil. But so there there are two questions you ask for the person who's to be chairman of, of either party, either a whether or not they add something that you don't that is problematic, which was Debbie Wasserman Schultz uh, shoring up uh, President Obama's issues with with, uh, the, with with Jews that thought that uh, Obama was not strong on Israel in Florida, or somebody who is really adept at making things work, which Howard Dean showed himself to be as chairman. It, but in this case, if you're going in the world of showing up something you don't got, I would go with Senator Tester as far as the white... John team. Tester from Montana. John Tester from Montana. Uh, either that or uh, Brian Schweitzer. Uh, really? Oh. So go, go with the, the, the white guy who shoots guns, who ropes, who... <laughs> Who John Tester does not rope cattle. I can tell you that. No, no, right he, now. no, he is a he, no, but he he, he, is, a, he is he is an a, yeah. he, I mean, he he's he's worked the land. He's legit. I mean, he, he 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 lost four fingers in in some farm mach- machinery. I mean, right. like this is a real deal kind of thing. So that said, if with where does the he Democrat, help? Does he help mend the wounds in the DNC? As far as being a credible person. As, and being a straight shooter, 
Yeah, I would say he does. I, I, I would say he's too much Montana for most of the eastern part of the United States. Yeah, how do you, how do you sell John Tester in South Florida? But Well, we already got the eastern part of the United States. As far as South Florida, I mean, then you're either looking at a, at a, a somebody else strong in the Jewish community or somebody uh, who is a Latino or at least Latina. And it's unclear to me who would have the stature to take that position. William Castro? I mean, that would be a natural choice. I mean, the Democratic Party nationally has been flirting with both of the Castro brothers for a while, and it could be the consolation prize to not being VP. Carl Tubin? First of all, it's all speculation, as we know. But the person who's going to choose the next chairman of the Democratic National Committee is one person, and that's the person on the Democratic side who's elected president of the United States. Mm-hmm. You think so, Congressman Al? Because I think there's a large community that would question that. No, no, I, I think Carl is absolutely right. It's always been that way. It's going to continue to be that way. It should be that way. Well, very good. And, and Bob just said it should be that yeah. way. Admiral Ken, RNC? Uh I like I like Carly Ivanka Trump. I like I like Carly Fiorina. for mayor of New York. I like Carly Fiorina. Um, I've had for a while. Um, I, I am I am I am troubled by her inability to um, to win uh, an elected seat in her home state. Um, in having this person be in charge of basically campaigns for the next four years. Do we look at somebody like a Lindsey Graham, perhaps? I don't know. I, I think Lindsey Graham, Lindsey Graham, you know, I, I hate to say it, but there is still a good number of people in this country that when they hear a Southern accent, they equate that with ignorance. And that concerns me. Wow. Very good. Bob Hines, chairman of the RNC. Who would you suggest? I'd like the gentleman who was just uh, attacked as being a Southerner. Oh, Lindsey Graham? I like Lindsey Graham, yeah. And I understand what... No, you're not. But it's true. The reality is, you know, from people from the South are sometimes looked at, you know, in the, in the Northeast as, uh, you, know, you know, guys running around with that shoes on. Right. It's Gov- not true. Yeah. Governor of South Carolina. Yeah. Nikki Haley. Interesting choice. Yeah, I think she's got huge. No, 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 no. <laughs> I, no, I, no. I think Nikki Haley's got other aspirations. Yeah, I'm sure I she think does. she's looking at 2020. I Yeah, do. nothing like rec- uh, controlling the mechanism for a couple of one of those things that you have to have when you're chairman of a, of a national party is you have to have the experience in the field, um, putting things together, fundraising. It, it, it's just an all-encompassing thing. Right. And you really need somebody who knows what they're doing. Okay. Very good. On behalf of Congress for now, Bob Hines. Dan Lipner, Admiral Ken Carradine, Carl Tubin, I'm your moderator, Justin Russell. We'll be back next week live from Shelley's Back Room, 1331 F Street, in the heart of our nation's capital, Washington, D.C. The place to be. We'll see you next week, America. Have a great week. This is Backroom Politics.